Welcome to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, executive producer, co-anchor, Mary Gamba. Mary, uh, we've been doing the show for a couple of years. Is that a new outfit? It is a new outfit. Thank you for noticing. You look wonderful, as always. And more importantly, we have substantive leadership discussion today. We'll talk about our funders and our partners a little bit later, because I want to get right into this conversation as we do this program. Listen, you don't know when we tape these shows because they air later. This is the morning after the Super Bowl. Alvin, do you, does anyone know what, I don't know, it doesn't matter which Super Bowl it is, but it was a great Super Bowl. We're going to be talking about teamwork and leadership, collaboration. It's not about me, it's about we. And in that spirit, let me introduce our good friend, Linda McHugh, who is executive vice president, uh, uh, chief experience and people officer at Hackensack Meridian Health. Good to see you, Linda. Good to see you. Thank you for having me. Linda, we will not be breaking down the Super Bowl, I promise. We will be talking about leadership. We, uh, right out of the box, let me disclose that Stand and Deliver has a longstanding relationship with Hackensack Meridian Health. We facilitate and coach a physician leadership academy at HMH, and they have been a longtime partner of ours. Linda, let me jump right into this, then Mary will get in. Biggest issue for us these days in 2022, not just attracting talented people to our team, but keeping them. Is it us? Oh, I, I, I don't think it's us. I mean, you've, we've seen in the news the great resignation, um, but I do believe we have work to do to continue to retain our top talent. And attracting them is also one of the things that we've been working on, but making sure that we have a compensation package that's competitive in the market, but also that we have flexible work schedules have the opportunity for people to grow in a culture that's supportive. And, and that's the work that we've been doing to ensure that we have a great place to work. I think that is what's key in retaining team members. Great, Mary's got a lot of thoughts on this as well. Yeah, Mary. definitely. So Linda, we have a very small team. Specifically, we have about eight full-time people. We've got a ton of freelancers and great people behind the scenes. But in a larger organization like Hackensack Meridian Health that has thousands and thousands of team members, how do you stay connected? How do you truly hear the voices mm -hmm. of your team to make sure that you're truly meeting their needs? Yeah, it, it's a difficult thing to do, but um, we use a couple tools. So we, we do an annual engagement survey that really um, talks about overall experience of the team members. And in addition, we do a pulse. And then we have data at the leader level of how the team members are feeling and, and we work in focused areas, three in particular. One, one I think is most important, which is communication. So ensuring transparency and communicating, particularly over the past two years in this kind of roller coaster that we've been through for our team members, making sure that we have a consistent message and that they have a voice in any decisions that are made that impact them and their work. In addition, celebrating and recognizing when they do a good work. So, you know, our, our healthcare team members have been on the front lines for two years now, and they've really been feeling the stress. And, and it, at the beginning, we were celebrating them as heroes. Um, more frequently, recently, we've seen um, a lot of anger directed at healthcare in general, because people, I think, just are on the edge after two years of COVID. Mary, I, I, this is probably coming from both of us. Dr. Amy Freeman, who was on Lessons in Leadership, Chief Wellness Officer for HMH, Hackensack Meridian Health. Mary and I talk about wellness, struggle with the issue of wellness and its connection to leadership. We try to do everything we can, not just for ourselves, but our team members. But again, 
at HMH, it's a huge issue, not just for physicians and nurses, but for everyone. How do you actually create a quote, culture of wellness in such a, an important and large organization in the healthcare world? I think it's really important for us to acknowledge the feelings that team members have and not expect that they're always going to be at the top of their game and that we have to figure out ways to support them, to ensure that they can maintain their empathy and compassion to take care of patients. We need to make sure we can find ways to support them, whether it's um, giving them, allowing them to take PTO, even though our staffing situation um, might not always allow it, but making room for them to have time to themselves and, and encouraging that balance for them, I, I think is key. Mary, by the way, as Mary, as you jump back in, Bob Garrett, the CEO of the entire organization, I remember, Mary, I don't, do you remember this a few years ago when HMH opened up a, it's not just a gym, but a huge fitness facility up in Bergen County with the football giants, HMH partners with the football giants. That is just a piece of it because so many HMH uh, physicians, excuse me, not just physicians, but employees go there. Bob does as well. But Mary, setting the tone for wellness, from, I don't even want to say from the top, but across the board, Mary? Yeah, no, it's definitely challenging. And we are constantly reminding our staff, if you need to take that time to, uh, Steve and I always talk about and joke that every day, if I don't walk my dog, I just don't feel complete. I need to get that time away. And we try to encourage our team to do that as well. Um, shifting gears just a little bit, especially with the issues of wellness being two years plus or into the pandemic by the time this airs, talk a little bit how you can still be a trans transformational, um, a visionary leader, when you're really focusing on, okay, we always say drinking out of a fire hose, but how do you then also focus on the bigger forward uh, thinking of being a leader in an organization? Yeah, thank you. I, I, you know, one of the things that we've been focusing on at HMH is the, the leader as a coach. So you mentioned teams before, and certainly we saw um, a great game last night that teamwork um, it can prove what you can accomplish. And part of the um, strategy around the coach as a leader is ensuring that the, that the leaders see themselves as change agents, that they invite new ways of thinking. And I think that's one of the keys around transformation. So flexible work schedules, more part-time versus full-time at the bedside, um, allowing team members to create their own schedules. So really thinking differently around the work um, than we have before. And then I think as part of the coach model, in addition, is being an authentic leader. So really leading with your strengths and celebrating other strengths and, and recognizing and acknowledging that some days are better than others. And then lastly, I would say being highly reliable. So really being accountable to others for the outcomes and accountable to each other. And those are encompassed in what we're calling the coach model that we're rolling out for all of our leaders. Linda, really well said. And when we finish up this segment, Mary and I are going to talk a little bit about what you just said about vulnerability. Mary, I always talk, think about this. At this, I don't want to open up the Pandora's box here with Linda, but I try to find, we all as leaders try to find the balance between being vulnerable, letting our team members know when we're feeling, whether fear, anxiety, uh, insecurity, not sure about the future, but at the same time coming across as confident, we got this. And I often wonder, and Mary and I will talk about this, are we sometimes having to fake it until we make it? That's another story. 
But Linda McHugh, who's the Executive Vice President, Chief Experience and People Officer at Hackensack Meridian Health, a great partner of ours. And we look forward to continuing to develop and coach, as Linda said, not just the physician leaders, but so many other leaders within the organization. Linda, thank you so much for being with us. And by the way, check out Lessons in Leadership, a previous segment we did many with uh, Bob Garrett, the CEO. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. I'm Steve, that's Mary. More importantly, that's Linda. We'll be right back after this. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership, Steve Adubato, Mary Gamba. We're about to introduce our good friend, Tony Russo, in a second. I want to thank Linda McHugh. Uh, and the folks over at Hackensack Meridian Health, one of our longtime partners. We do a great physician leadership academy over there, if I must say so myself. It's been a, a, it's really, talk about rewarding, Mary. How great are those people? It's amazing. It's inspirational. Uh, the sessions take place after a long day for those physicians that many have already put in a 12-hour day, and they come, they're inspired, they're energized, and I have learned so much from being a part of that for sure. Yep, and I love how people said they, they were our heroes and they, somehow they no longer were heroes, which is ridiculous. The doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, talk about leaders who put their lives on the line uh, for other people. Let's shift gears dramatically. We have our good friend, Tony Russo, president, Commerce. Tony, there was no segue there. Don't worry, I didn't have one. Tony <laughs> Russo, president of the Commerce Industry Association of New Jersey, also the CEO and publisher, Commerce Magazine, one of our longtime media partners, and uh, hey, how you doing, Tony? Good. How are you, Steve and Mary? Thanks for having me today. We're taping this on Valentine's Day. It'll be seen later, Tony. Okay. Let me ask you a question. With all the things that you have to juggle leading uh, CIANJ, on Valentine's Day, what do you tell yourself I have to make sure I do today? On Valentine's Day? Well, I took care of that over the weekend, Steve, because I have two daughters and a wife, and I made sure... I knew it was going to be a late day today, traffic. You know, I live down the shore, so I, I made sure that we took care of Valentine's Day yesterday before the Super Bowl. So, Mary, what does it say that I uh, called a couple of florists, I texted and did some things for my mom and my wife today, but Tony planned days before? Oh, I think it better. It's not even late than never. It's still Valentine's Day. It'd be one thing if you were doing it tomorrow, Steve, but the fact that you did it today <laughs> and that you thought to do it. Yeah. It's fantastic. I love it. Not, I think it's great. I'm not looking for, I'm just saying Tony's a planner. That's all I'm going to say. Tony, yeah. let, let me ask you, Tony, you've been with us so many times. So I'm curious about this. Your leadership style, your philosophy and your approach every day comes from what one, two, or three key parts of your life? Uh, definitely my culture, the way I was raised, uh, Italian-American. My mom and dad actually came over from Naples, just like I'm sure, Steve, your background. 
And, okay, and hold we, on, Tony, you ready? Our family's from Avellino. Your family from? Benevento. So. There it is. Just, I'm sorry, very go ahead, close. I apologize. Yeah, very close. Uh, so, you know, growing up, my father and my mother instilled the work ethic. You know, you have to work hard. Don't take anything for granted. Take care of your, your friends and family. Treat them with respect. And I always stay true to that, you know, no matter what I do. You have to respect the people that work with you. You have to respect the people that you work for. And uh, if you do that and you listen to them and you have that empathy, I think things will always go well. And you have to be a good planner. Absolutely, uh, especially around certain holidays. Real quick before Mary jumps in. <clears throat> the issue of retaining, excuse me, attracting and retaining talented people, a huge leadership challenge, obstacle, opportunity. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, clearly a challenge that a lot of our members are facing right now. We actually had an event on it not too long ago, and I think one of our members said it right when he said, you know what, Tony, the pandemic has caused America's workforce to go through a midlife crisis. Everybody's really evaluating what they want to do, how they want to do it. And, and what I've seen, Steve and Mary, is, is over the last two years, I've seen a lot of our members adapt to the pandemic and adapt to what's the new workforce, the new strategies. And I think nobody's taking it for granted. When I was growing up, you know, I'm sure, you know, my parents and, and a lot of people I knew would always say, you're lucky to have a job, right? And a lot of employers would think that way. Those days are gone. I think now you, you have to take care of your employees. You have to provide that flexibility. You have to provide the, the benefit, whether it's fringe benefits, financial. And, and what I'm seeing is, is people are really starting to understand. And I go back to that empathy. I mean, empathy you talk about great leaders, great leaders in my mind are the ones that are empathetic and really take care of their employees and try to understand where they're coming from, right? Everybody is living a life. Uh, some of us are living it differently and you know, some of us have kids, have financial issues and you know, time and issues. And as long as you work with them, you know, for the most part, I think the employees appreciate that and work for you and actually uh, things really get done really well. Well said, but Mary, uh, in, in, not in spite of what Tony just said, maybe in light of it, you can do all the things that Tony described and more, but one of the things that we've had to learn, it's not really about us, it's about all of us who lead organizations, like Mary and I and so many others, Tony as well. You can do all those things, but then sometimes people choose to leave because they wanna do something else. And it isn't what you did or didn't do. So you always look at yourself, but then go, hey, wait a minute, he or she wants to pursue this next chapter and my wife, Jennifer, always says to me, you know, sometimes you have to realize people want to date other people, not just you, Steve. And we're, we're talking about work professionally. Mary, does that make any sense? It does. It does. And Tony, as Steve mentioned, uh, we did, we had two really talented people leave very recently. And, and again, to pursue other passions and, and each of them are going in a direction that they feel is right for them. It's the right fit. And for us, I, I said to Steve immediately, I'm like, what is it us? Is it something we're doing wrong? And, and the more people that we talk to, they say, well, it's a great resignation, but it doesn't make it easier to deal with that. And, and what advice do you have for leaders of organizations that may be dealing with turnover, maybe dealing with the difficulty of hiring and then retaining um, really talented people? What advice do you have for those leaders? Yeah, you know, keep it simple, Mary. I think they have to stay the course, right? I think, you know, you're right. It's sad when people that you've worked with a long time leave, but you just have to think about tomorrow, think about how do I get to the point where I meet the, the next person that's really gonna make an impact in my life. And they're out there, you know, right? I mean, everybody's shuffling. I mean, we I call it the great reshuffle. 
the great resolution. I like that a lot better. <clears throat> Mary, keep yeah. that. I'm, we're going to steal it from Tony. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and that's exactly what's going on. So, I mean, you know, and I see it across the board from a lot of our members and a lot of the sectors. I mean, people, you know, are switching, you know, banks or law firms and, and you know, it's, it's different, but you know, it, to that each individual, they're making that decision for themselves. And, and so you have to respect that. So I would just say, I would say to our members, stay the course, you know, use the tools that are out there and, and the people will come. And Steve, can but, I hop in real fast? Yeah, I wanted sure. to ask Tony one thing. I know we know because we've had you on our program so many times, but for viewers that may be tuning in for the first time, just uh, in 30 seconds to a minute, tell us about CINJ, Commerce and Industry Association of New Jersey. What is Commerce and Industry Association of New Jersey? Sure, thank you, Mary. Uh, so the Commerce and Industry Association of New Jersey has been around 95 years. It's a general business group. Uh, I'm proud of the fact that our mantra is really all about free markets, free enterprise. You know, we believe in that entrepreneurship. We believe in that, you know, innovative, you know, business person, whether it's a man or woman that wants to come in, make a difference. And we represent about 950 companies or so from across every sector. And that's really what I love about my job is I don't come in just talking to bankers. You know, each day I'll talk to a banker, a lawyer, an accountant. We have the hospitals as members, you know, insurance companies, you know, utilities. Uh, and really just to talk from each sector and to see when we talk about leadership qualities, it doesn't matter what sector you're going to be in. You're going to use those leadership qualities that's going to stay with you no matter what sector that you're working in. And that's really refreshing to me is really to see that. So we're proud of, you know, we're advocates down in Trenton. We also hold a lot of events and we also publish a business magazine, a business to business magazine called Commerce that comes out every month, which you guys are part of. Yeah, we are a part of and we're honored to be a part of uh, Commerce Magazine. Hey, Tony, we're also, I say this all the time to you, but the fact that we are partners matters a great deal to us. So we appreciate that partnership very much. Tony, as always, we learn something new on Lessons in Leadership when we hear you. Thanks, Tony. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, man. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University. Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation, and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. Welcome back to Lessons in Leadership. Steve Adubato and Mary Gamma. I want to thank Tony Russo for joining us. Mary, listen, we have some time left. Um, we always tell people, we try to tell people, those who watch us on, and that's not just your dad and my mom. We do have <laughs> other viewers. And P.S., has your dad given you any feedback? Because there's a chapter in this new book called, Mary, what's the new book called? It, we are going with Lessons in Leadership 2.0, The Tough Stuff. That's exactly right. So a big chapter on feedback and receiving it. Your dad has given feedback on a regular basis. My mother, I'm going to share my mother's feedback, who actually gave me some yesterday. We're taping on Monday, so the show is on Sunday. Your dad's feedback has basically been what? Oh, well, first of all, he loves the fact that you're letting me speak more. He thinks that's fantastic, that you throw the ball to me a little bit more. And he is just frankly amazed that we don't, thank you, and I'll catch it. If I had a ball, that would have been like perfect. Sylvester can edit it in my hand afterwards. And he doesn't believe that we don't have a script going in. Sure, we have a game plan. We have lists of quotes that we're going to refer. We've got books all over the place that we uh, pull in. 
but just the the cadence that we have, you know, after working two decades together. So his feedback is mainly on just the conversational nature of the program. And that's why he really enjoys tuning in. But he's pleased that you're getting more airtime is the he point. He is. He is. He's glad that I actually get to talk more because he likes to hear what I have to say. So thank you, Dad. Okay. Well, my mother said the same thing about Mary getting more airtime. But she also said something else. She said, we have my sister, Michelle, who is the CEO of the North Ward Center, one of our partners, talking about not-for-profit leadership. And I, in a very gratuitous fashion, with no particular strategy in mind, started talking, I said, talked about Mary's family and how she got all this support. What'd you call your family again? You always say uh, we were, yeah, we were like the Brady Bunch. Uh, I know we use that expression. And we were also like Little House on the Prairie. Everything was oh, very, like, mm -hmm. yeah, all those shows were shows that I, I didn't relate to or understand. Didn't look like uh, anything I knew. So uh, I said to my sister, we got a lot of that positive feedback, didn't we? And I was being facetious because we didn't. We got something else. We got, we learned a lot. Mary has grit. We have grit too. But mostly our grit came from, you know, our dad was tough. I, I know you're looking down. You're probably criticizing me right now as I'm doing this, Steve Sr. But, but here's why I'm saying this. My mom said, stop talking about the family. Stop talking about how, mom, I know you're watching. Don't <laughs> talk about the family and say that it was a rough childhood. And Mary says nothing to that. Well, because she I love your mom and I want to respect her wishes. So maybe we shouldn't bring up the family. Okay. But here's the only thing. I'm convinced, and my, I, I always say this all the time, I won't belabor this, who we are as leaders. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is not getting on a soapbox. I really believe this. We asked all kinds of people. Look at Micheline Davis. We had Micheline on the show. She talked about her mom and dad. Yeah. The truth is a lot of the great traits that I have as a leader or the positive ones come from my dad and my mom. Mostly my dad, no disrespect, mom, but from my dad. Some of the traits I had that weren't so great, I don't blame him, but I saw uh, some aggressiveness and a lot of, you know, whatever that was less than great leadership. She says that I shouldn't say that. So I'm going to listen to you, mom, for now. Um, but I do admit that I really do believe that who we are as leaders comes from our family of origin. I believe that. Okay. Yeah. And one thing I do want to say to your mom is that in an earlier episode, we tape a lot of these uh, in a day. In an earlier episode, you gave a huge shout out to your dad for the lessons that he instilled in you when the North Ward Center, the nonprofit in, in North where you grew up, the fire, and that he stood there shoulder to shoulder and was the rock for everyone. So it's not all um, bad stuff. It was also really some great things as well. So it's mostly really great stuff, mom. I want, so don't call in and or send me a text message. Um, so Mary, can we do a couple quotes? We'd love to. How about this one? These are, these are leadership quotes, Mary and I always researching. Hey, what about the, who said that? Let's react to that, whatever. Steve Jobs. Uh, Steve Jobs. What's the movie? Is it the Steve Jobs story? I don't even know the name of the movie about Steve Jobs, but management is about persuading people to do things they don't want to do, while leadership is about inspiring people to do things they never thought they could. Reaction. Yeah. As I'm getting older and as I'm seeing myself as more of a leader in our organization, I've always been a leader in our organization. And 
I, I found it came very naturally, but now I'm trying to make it more structured, if you will. So that second half of the quote really helps me to pause and say, what more can I be doing to lift people up in the organization, to give them opportunities and not opportunities that I, I only think that they would be good for to have a conversation. What more do you need from me? What more do you need from the organization? Because by doing that, you can help to elevate them as leaders as well. Good stuff. And, and just, you know, Mary is the president of Stand and Deliver. And she's also the executive director of our not-for-profit production company, the Caucus Educational Corporation. She was always doing things to have those titles and never asked for the title. But I kept thinking, why do we think of six different titles for Mary when president and executive director are, yeah, that's what she does. Mm -hmm. She runs two companies. How about this one, Mary? This comes from um, one of my idols growing up. Uh, he, he was assassinated when I was a really little kid. I don't even really remember it. But John F. Kennedy assassinated on November 22nd, 1963. And uh, I wrote about him a lot in, in, in lessons in leadership and the leadership lessons he learned in the Bay of Pigs and which did not go well at all in Cuba. He took full responsibility for it, research it. And then literally the next year in 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis, he talked about what he learned in the Bay of Pigs fiasco in Cuba and how he adapted his leadership style in the Cuban Missile Crisis between the United States and the Soviet Union and uh, Khrushchev, who was, well, researcher, you'll see what I mean. John F. Kennedy quote on leadership, how's this, ready? Leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. Leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. This is why there's a million books all over the place. There's a leadership library. Mary's one of her favorites, Tony Robbins over here. Go ahead, Mary. <laughs> well, again, just recently, I think it's midlife crisis. I don't know, we need to talk about that, but. I have recently found the time, thank you, Tony Robbins, Anthony Robbins, AKA formerly known as Tony Robbins. Yep. And I just started listening to audiobooks. and main reason being by the end of the day, staring at a computer screen, my eyes hurt. And I found that I have a <laughs> lot of time during the day, whether I'm cooking or cleaning or getting ready in the morning, putting on some makeup. So I, I've, I've just really like, I, I, I've gone through three books in like five days, just listening to hours upon hours really? of audiobooks and other been getting beyond the some of the voices of the people reading the books and Tony Robbins does his own so he's like shot out of a cannon there's been some really valuable nuggets and it's about lifelong learning you've never arrived when you are a leader you've never arrived when you say I want to continue to learn it's an ongoing process because we are always evolving and the day that you stop evolving is frankly the day in my opinion that you might as well just hang it up and you know crawl under a rock somewhere so I, I love to just continually learn and one of the differences, Mary and I often think with one brain because we, our timing is really great, but we have very different views on how we receive information. I love books and I love marking up books. I remember seeing the book Grit that I've talked about before, Angela Duckworth, who we will get on this show. I mark this book up. I mark a lot of these books up and I go back and what, what was I thinking when I read that? By the way, Elvin, I'm not sure how much time is left. I'm looking in the chat right here. Yeah, about a minute. Uh, okay, real quick. But Mary, I, I don't, it's not great that I'm going to ask this, but I'm doing it anyway. Do you, are you irritated by the emails and text messages I send on the weekend that I just came across a book, an article, a something on TV and say, hey, Mary, no. you sure? 
Yeah, no, those don't bother me at all. The, the videos, sometimes you send a lot of videos and then cataloging those is a little bit more challenging. We could talk about that off the air, but I love when you send a book, an article, something that you can read and reference. Videos are a little bit trickier just because activity over impact. It's like, I've got all these right on my screen right now, like 20 different videos and- Got it. So, but yeah, no, I, I, I love that because sharing of that information, I've found some really great tips and tools from what you share with me. So thank you for that. I'm sorry for interrupting, but Elvin is saying with big fat letters, goodbye. <laughs> Elvin Badger, thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mary. Goodbye, everyone. Lessons in Leadership. See you next time. This edition of Lessons in Leadership is made possible by the Bucino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University, Prager Metis, Valley Bank, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 825, the North Ward Center, the New Jersey Sharing Network, Delta Dental of New Jersey, Kessler Foundation and Seton Hall University, showing the world what great minds can do since 1856. This is Mary Gamba. If you want more leadership tips and tools, log on to stand-deliver.com. That's stand-deliver.com. Promotional support for this edition of Lessons in Leadership with me, Steve Adubato, and my colleague, Mary Gamba, has been provided by NJ.com, NJBIA, and New Jersey Business Magazine, CIANJ, and Commerce Magazine. This is the Seton Hall story, one that comes to life every day on our campus. This is the place where great minds discover, innovate, collaborate, and find their true calling. This is the place where passion has a purpose, where learning inspires leading. The bonds we make, the values we teach, inspire our community to take heart and take action. This is Seton Hall University. This is what great minds can do.